Rethinking collaboration. That's what we're talking about today on the Working Therapist Podcast. Welcome to The Working Therapist, a podcast designed to help you grow in your therapy practice. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. Now here are your hosts, Hayden Bolick and Kirstie Miles. Hey, Kirstie, how are you? I am great. I thought I should start off a collaborative podcast with saying hi, right? <laughs> Collaborating. <laughs> so, you know, my definition of collaboration through the years has changed. I don't know, maybe yours has. It's evolved for sure. Sure. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> because we've both been at the therapy business and managing people and all the various things that you and I do here at PDT every day. I'm sure our definition of collaboration has changed. I think it's important as we were planning out some podcast ideas and thinking through things, collaboration kept coming up and communication, right? And so as therapists, sometimes when you're there with a child and a parent, time kind of stops and you feel like sort of you're in this little bubble with just these people, right? But we really aren't silo working therapists, right? And so we don't work in a silo with nobody else. I don't think you can to treat the whole child. No, no, no. But how you collaborate and what that really means, it does evolve over time. And it looks a variety of different ways. It does. So today we're talking about collaborating with people involved in the child's continuum of care. And we're talking about collaborating in co-treatments and collaborating with parents, not necessarily in that order. So let's start with collaborating and with people involved in the child's continuum of care. So the first thing that I think of when I think collaborating is meaning like a conversation. So collaborating is not, for example, if I did this with you, you're the PT, I'm the speech therapist. Hey, in speech today, we did this, this, and this. He did great. Here he is. That's not collaborating. Now, to me, how I've worked with speech in the past is speech tells me like a sound that they're trying to achieve or something that they're trying to work on. And I'll be like, oh, well, yeah, you said, Jay, we're doing jump. So every time I'll try and get them to make that sound when we're working on jumping. So that to me is collaboration. How can I carry over your goals into their motor plan to just be a reinforcer? Yes. But if I just said to you, hey, you know, he did great with his K's and G's today. He did awesome. I just basically just telling you stuff and you're like, okay, yeah, super. Thumbs Thumbs up. up. Yeah, that's a thumbs up emoji. (laughs) You know, if you think about in medical rounds and that kind of stuff, I used to think when I was in medical rounds that that was a collaborative thing. And it it can be, and there's an aspect of that if you take it away and use it collaboratively. But basically in medical rounds, each person is just spouting off what they did, you know? And then... Then you go back and do your thing, right? But I used to think that was very collaborative, meaning like, oh, his test scores for speech was such and such and such and such. And then the OT or the whatever did their thing and doctor did their thing and all that stuff. But really, at the end of the day, everybody was just telling each other stuff for no particular necessary outcome. You're just reporting in, right? To me, that's just reporting, not collaborating, you know, and so it was more collaborative. If, for example, when I was in a rehab hospital, this is with adults, so when we were coming up with a plan of care or a discharge plan or that kind of thing, then it turned into collaboration. But really, a lot of them, when we were talking about patients, were just spouting off of what they did for us at that particular moment. You know, that's not collaboration. But if you're coming to me and saying, hey, we're really trying to work on this sound, what are some of the motor activities that you're doing that start with this letter? Yeah. And do you think every time you do that, you can have them say that word before they do it? 
that to me is awesome collaboration. And then I'm going to say, hey, when you are working in your therapy session, I need more help with jumping. And here's how I want them to do it. So here's the cueing I'm doing. Now we just got carryover more times in each session. So for example, if I'm working on feeding with a child, inevitably at some point, if a child's seeing a feeding team, members of that feeding team, I'm going to need to collaborate with, but specifically the nutritionist. So if we've got a child who's on a G-tube and we're trying to get, and they are in PO, when we're trying to get them to PO, thinking they're safe for swallowing, inevitably I'm going to have multiple conversations with that nutritionist because a lot of times the child goes off site from me to a feeding clinic, potentially see a feeding team, nutritionist is part of that potentially. And they're going to say, okay, well, we want this child to eat this many calories in a day. So then usually I'm going to call and say, okay, so let's talk about this. So you want this kid to get this many calories by liquid by the G-tube. Now I want them to start to be hungry. So how can I take what you want them to do? Because I know they got to continue to gain weight. And how can we take what I want them to do, which is to get hungry on occasion. So they want to eat something potentially, or at least get something in their mouth and mix the two. That's a collaborative conversation because you're starting with your ideas, my ideas, and we're coming out with a different plan potentially. I also, a lot of times with PT for a child, if I'm working on feeding too, will be like, so if, if I'm not sure about the child's core strength or sitting ability, or if they can sit up or if they can't sit up, or maybe in a high chair, even if they have enough core strength or stability, but they're really not sitting up independently, potentially, but there's enough there that I can start to work on introducing spoon foods. A lot of times I'll get the PT like, how can I modify the seating situation with whatever so that we're not 100% supported? Because you may not want them to be 100% supported. You may want them to still be working on that core a little bit because they're sitting up a couple times a day when they eat. So then I'm going to be like, okay, Kirsty, you come help me to figure this out. That's a collaborative work together thing, right? Yep. I'm not just telling you stuff and you're not just telling me stuff like, hey, put them in the chair and let them look like this. Right. So that's one example of that. To do that, some of the hallmarks of that is you talk, I talk, you talk, I talk, you talk. So a lot of listening and talking. But listening, 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 listening. <laughs> and and you might not be working together at the same time with that child, but maybe they're going from speech to PT or OT, and you're having a brief discussion during the transition, during the trade-off. So you're not yeah. having to take this and make it a big thing outside where we need to schedule time to talk no. to this person. No. It's got to happen real and in the moment because yeah. it's fresh. It just happened. So let's promote the carryover right away. If I need more of you, if you're on site, I could schedule a co-treat, but if you're not on site, I could schedule like Google Meet or a Zoom kind of thing. That could be a collaborative treatment kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, things like that can happen very quick in like a 30-second thing, like just yeah. like what you're talking about. Doesn't need to be this whole drawn-out no. thing. No. Another person that's sometimes involved in the child's continuum of care, like sometimes kids will come to us privately, but they'll also get like services maybe in the schools or yes. something. But we also got to keep in mind that we are not the school therapist right. and we can't demand what they do and how they run their school day. No. But if the mom wants to be kind of a go-between or the dad to say, hey, here's what my child is working on in physical therapy, I might say, you know what, mom, come back because on paper it might not be clear. So let's get some videos that you can take to the school and if they're in agreement with implementing this stuff because we can't tell them what to do and how to do it during their school day but if they've agreed to work with you and want ideas of how to address these things in gym class PE for example then let's get you some videos so that we can make that happen for that child we can collaborate through you because that's not our role in our setting and it may require an initial conversation by phone or something or zoom or google meet or whatever so that we can like 
like have a few minutes to say, okay, here's what I'm working on and why and understand better and understand because I had to listen here, understand what they're working on and why. Plus I had to ask questions. What are you working on? You're working on this, this, and this. Why are you doing that? Oh, he's having trouble with that. I didn't even know he's having trouble with that in the school's interesting. Okay, well, I'm doing this and this like this. So the way I do this may help him with homework since you're doing that in the schools. Yep. So then you can do the follow-up, go between what the parent thing kind of, right? Because you don't have to have that kind of every week. That's kind of not so too. But maybe an initial five-minute call, and then after that, back it off for a while, and then another check-in maybe six months later or three months later, whatever is happening with the little person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think whenever a child, like for example, a child who's being seen by cleft lip and palate team, and I'm seeing the child privately, I always want to do a collaborative, like five minute call with the speech therapist up there to say, here's what I'm seeing in therapy. Then afterwards, it was just maybe a follow up email or something from them to me after the appointment. But at least that little minute of collaboration there that five-minute conversation where we talked to each other kind of thing, I think, sets up for a lot of the emails back and forth and that kind of stuff. But if it's yeah. always that, then it's really not collaborative. And also, I, I think the whole the why gets missed. If you're like, hey, do this. Yeah. You do this. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Right. Like that back and forth piece that needs to happen because, again, why are, you doing this? Yeah. why are we doing what we're doing? Yes. That helps for another discipline to understand why you're doing what you're doing or the parent to understand or the gym teacher to understand so that there's more buy-in. I worked with a parent a couple weeks ago and she said, well, you know, this particular person goes to ABA and was ABA therapist is always saying, oh, well, no, that's what OT does. And then OT is sometimes saying, oh, that's what speech does. And unfortunately for this little dude, he gets ABA and OT and speech from three different providers. We see him for OT. But anyway, he gets speech and ABA from two different groups. So there's, we're never in the same building. But I was like, and I said to her, I said, that's very unfortunate because one of the things I want us to work on and I feel like should be a, for the next goal plan is to get that collaboration among all the people involved with him because there should never be a finger pointing. Oh, that's what OT does. Well, that's what speech does. Well, that's not me. You know, that's... You've heard no. me say before, like this child is, their services are so splintered and I'll have the conversation with the parent to be like, I'm not saying you need to bring all your services here. I'm not saying you need to take them all there. I'm saying choose where you're most right. comfortable, but you need to consolidate your services under one roof so your people can talk. The parent should never feel like there's one particular discipline involved in this child This pitting another one against them. Yeah. Never. That doesn't make no. any sense. And that's a really bad plan for the child. So one of the people could just take the initiative to say, okay, so you know what? I'm going to schedule a group call. You know, every iPhone does it, group call, and we're going to all talk. Before we move on to co-treats, because I want to talk about co-treat sex, can you give that one example that you had with the physician, you know, because I think sometimes therapists are intimidated or they feel like if they call a doctor or a nurse or whatever, that they're just going to be told, just do this, you know, and it won't be no. collaborative. But instead, can you give that example? Yeah, yeah. So this one little guy, and it broke my heart because I went in from a PT perspective to look at the child's overall tone and motor development, and he appeared to be high extensor tone. But when you get in there and you start asking more questions, mom was that, oh, he's just a miserable, fussy baby. And for me, that just broke my heart because nobody wants that to be the case. You know, yeah. like mom's the safe spot. And he, she's saying a miserable, fussy baby. He spends a lot of his day crying yeah. or upset. Yeah. Yeah. And so I said, you know, mom, based on like how he was presenting, getting more information about certain times of day of when this happens, yeah. I said, I really think this may be a sign of reflux. So 
then I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call your pediatrician. I'm going to explain to her what we're seeing here clinically and some of the things that he's doing. And then I'm going to have her reach out to you if she wants you to schedule an appointment with their practice Mm -hmm. to go back in for next steps. The doctor very much appreciated my phone call. We talked at length about the presentation and the doctor was very open to trying reflux medication to help manage this. It did help. So, and the mom, gosh, for you to be saying, hey, I have just a fussy, miserable baby, for it to be as simple as that, for her to be like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't know it didn't have to be like this. And then well, think about the gift that you gave that pediatrician who is seeing child after child after child after child every day, all day long, who doesn't really have the time to get in and get in the deep like that. You gave them a gift of information from a trusted source. They have a trusted source in you and they didn't know that all that was going on. How can they when they only get to spend like a wee bit of time with each patient? I tell therapists all the time, doctors are so familiar with treating like the sick baby and they're looking at, they have an ear infection, they have a strep throat. They're relying on us for development. So if we're seeing something clinically, they want to hear from us. What is it that you're seeing? And based on that, not recommendations, but not we're telling them what to do. We want to recommend things that we've seen to be helpful in other cases to see if they're open to that exploration of that. So with a doctor or with anybody you're collaborating with for that child, you want to come with specifics. Here's what I'm seeing. And here's the information I need from you so that we can come up with a different plan. Because you know, they're back to back with patients. They called you, they've got three minutes to hash this out. What do you want the outcome to be? And you probably don't have much more time than that either. No. I mean, really, you know, this is is quick. Boom, boom, boom. So we're not talking about 30 minute an hour. No. No, we're talking about Two, three-minute conversations yes. here, but that are powerful. They make a big impact. I did give one example of a longer, like if I needed the PT in the session for like a longer period of time, but that was just like a one-off. We'll give you a pass. Okay. Good. Thank, <laughs> you. Um, and right. Thank you. But now let's talk about co-treats because I think collaboration with co-treats. So a lot of times therapists will come in and they'll say, oh, let's do a co-treat for this child. It'll be great. But they really want another set of hands. You know, so like, okay, you kind of keep them still or keep them there so I can do my goals. And now I'll keep them still in here while you do your goals. That's not collaborative. That's just your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn, which, okay, we can do turn taking. And that's good news because we've got some, you check the box on a developmental skill for, you know, you need to be able to take turns. That's a thing, but not, that's not collaboration. When you say that to me, I'm thinking of like from a PT perspective, sometimes I might need another hand Mm -hmm. is when... PTs, we go across space, point A to point B. But if my child can't attend or gets visually distracted or auditorily distracted, and I'm like, I need to get from point A to point B, and they're over in like point Z. They left the alphabet. So I'm like, (laughs) here's this obstacle course I set up, right? And I'm like, speech, what are you working on? I'm like, speech, bring the parts and pieces. I need reps. Because you know we've got baggage. And in that baggage is going to be parts and pieces of junk. (laughs) So I'm like... That's how we roll. Whatever speech wants to do, that's my parts and pieces. That's my reps. And I'm going to work on getting through the obstacle course. Because you can only go through an obstacle course so many times if there's not a reason for going from this side to this side. Well, and the person that's going to call you on that is a four-year-old somebody. Yeah. They're they're going to be like, I'm not doing this. 
I already did this three times. Yeah. I'm like, like, well, we need to do more. Yeah. And so how are you going to get the more? You're going to join forces with your speech person who's, who's waiting on the other side to be like, this way, buddy, bring it to me, bring it to me, put it in. Right? So <laughs> I have a really good example. This almost the whole exact scenario you just said. We were working with a little girl with uh, Down syndrome who's the boss. You know, we were thinking about putting on her on the payroll so she can run the organization because she's in charge. We're all very clear that she's in charge, right? So she's four years old. And she is not going to go up and down stairs unless there's a good rhyme or reason. Like, I don't care what you do. She ain't the doing it. The stairs in a PT practice go nowhere. Yeah. So she's like, why I'm not going up there? It's the same thing as down here. I can see it. There's nothing up there fun <laughs> for me. Like, so the PT needed her to go up and down the stairs, right? That's, she's like, she's got to get up and down these stairs. And the speech person is working on her saying like longer sentences, right? So the speech person put, I think maybe the potato head, parts and pieces of the potato head up at the top. And the little girl said, come on, and to use the PT's name. So we're working on multiple word phrases, right? Like, go, and then the PT's name. And so we said, okay, we got it. You want that? Which one do you want? The eyes or the nose or whatever it was. And it was up at the top. And so then with PT's name, she's got to get the eyes. So now it's about the PT had to go get the eyes, right? But to get it, the little girl had to direct the PT to go up. And the PT had no idea where to go to get those eyes. Because, oh my gosh, she lost her mind. and She couldn't find the top of the stairs. So the little girl's like, go, so-and-so, two-word phrase. So the little girl took the PT up the stairs, which was the PT wanted to do. The speech wanted to use two-word phrases. She had to remember. Of course, we also work on some memory stuff to get the eyes at the top and then go so-and-so back down the stairs, right? And then we changed it up. So it wasn't always go in the PT's name. We changed the phrase up, but that's a collaborative co-treat, right? Same thing with the obstacle course, but you also can use some of the characteristics of the child to help go from part A to part B. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's an example. So it's not just completely divided right. where, no. okay, I'll wait for you to do your part. And then it's overlapping the entire time. We're back and forth, back and forth. The whole thing. And the little girl had a purpose and reason for yep. saying, come on, go, or whatever it was. And a purpose. And so, and the PT got what she wanted was to get the kid up and down the stairs multiple times because there's lots of pieces to do. And the little girl loved bossing everybody around, which was awesome. <laughs> and multiple word phrases. So the whole thing. So it could have been speech been like, okay, tell me more eyes. And the speech sat there while PT was up and down down the stairs, right? That kind of thing. So it's not as good as. Yeah. And it's also not very functional. So now next time to carry over to home, because this little girl also has like brothers and sisters and stuff. So we're telling the mom, say, hey, so the next time that she doesn't want to go upstairs to brush her teeth or whatever, she can order somebody around to go brush the teeth. Or the mom can go say, oh my gosh, I don't know, it's hidden or whatever. So the whole thing can be applied to a functional example at home or whatever, you know, yep. a reason for all that. So the last one we're going to talk about is a lot of times therapists want to ask about group therapy. So another way to collaborate is not necessarily group because some of our kids have a lot of needs and a lot of involvement and really need that one-to-one -one with their therapist. But you as a speech therapist, if you're working on social skills, you're like, well, I need another child because an adult can regulate a child. So that relationship is a lot easier than having them interact with another child or somebody they don't know. Unpredictable. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so then you become the coaching role through mm -hmm. that session. But, but it's more real. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But you need another person to do that with. So a lot of times, like, you might be in a treatment room, and I'm, like, doing, getting ready to play this game out in the gym, and I'm like, well, we need four people, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> so I'm like, hey, Hayden, knock, yeah. knock. Hey, what you doing in there? Who you got? Hey, do you need anybody for social stuff? Because I want to play this game, but we need four people, and there's two of you and two of us, and it's a fun game. You want to come out here in the gym and you can target your goals with your person. And this is what I'm working on here. And mm -hmm. hey, let's do this together because this is more fun. 
Yeah. And 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 sometimes this works out perfect. I mean, like an impromptu kind of social situation. Yep. Totally. Or I'm in the room and you knock on the door and you've got to get the social piece going to be like, hey, ask a friend to play. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it goes both ways. When I get asked about group therapy, that's one of my ways about we can have a group, but we're still individually treating our own people and meeting their individual needs in a group environment. And if I wasn't able to do that, like in the moment, like what you described, even if I'm in a therapy of clinic, because at our clinics, you know, PTO speech work kind of combo, we don't have like a, that's the PT area, that's right. the OT area. They're all sort of together all the time. If I wanted to set it up a week before, I could say to you, and it would only take me like 30 seconds to set it up. Hey, Kirsty, next week, so-and-so really has to work on such and such, and I see your kiddos doing whatever. Would it be okay if we did this combo thing? for a game of Twister. Right. How long did that take me? Nothing. So you know Twister. I got the Twister. I got the kid. You got your kid. We're going to do Twister out in the gym. Boom. Done. Yep. You know, it's easy. There doesn't have to be a lot of setup or a lot of planning or a lot of emails. No, there doesn't have to be any of that. That conversation was like, it happened in the hallway as we were passing each other and I was going to get something out of the supply room. So it doesn't have to be this big, huge setup. Right. Because right beforehand, I'm going to say, look, I really need him to be able to ask other people questions. Yep. Like, okay, well, good. That's what we do. The collaboration piece, I, you know, I think it's just, it's so important what we do. We don't work in silos. We don't work in isolation. We work with people. And to do that and to do it well and to treat the whole child, that collaboration piece and what we think collaboration is, and if we really are collaborating, is something I think we need to check in with ourselves all the time. Because it looks a lot of different ways. Yes, it does. But one thing that's the same in all of it is, well, there is talking, of course, but there's also listening. And I yeah. think that's so important. Good collaboration is not complicated. No. Not usually. Not usually. And it clears up things and it's nice. Sometimes people, as we talk through this and we wrap up this podcast here, Kirsty, a lot of times people will say, oh gosh, I know you're busy. Or sometimes people will think the other person or the people they have to deal with are busy, you know, or that they don't want to hear from them or that maybe... Or don't have time. Or don't have time or whatever. But honestly, the people who are involved in a child's continuum of care are in the same kind of boat you're in, in terms of what you do for a living, right? Even though if they don't have the PT letters after their name, they've got some other kind of thing after their name. And that's what they do. They do people. We signed up to help. That's right. They are also did. My experience has been not usually the closed door piece, but more of a, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you called. Just like with that doctor that you're talking about, yep. she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you called. Yep. Yep. I don't Honestly, that- she was apologizing to me because she's like, I'm so sorry I didn't get back to you sooner. And it's after five. I'm like, you're good. Yeah. You're yeah. good. I'm glad you called. And then and this little boy got, the little boy in your example, because I know about the example, he got the right reflux medicine that he for best for him, mm-hmm. and he's a much happier dude now as a result. And so now the physical therapist, who I know you're not the treating therapist, but you're collaborating with them, is able to really get to what they need to get to because this kid's happy right. or, or happier, yeah, kind of thing. So right, I don't know that ever if I've reached out to somebody and be like, no, I don't want to talk about this. No. I don't know that I ever have, you know? Never. Um, I've been asked some hard questions. But nothing while I was shut down. So let's wrap up this collaboration piece. Let's stop collaborating. All right. (laughs) All right. right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.